business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Now I make money move. You can't see me. My time is now. Welcome back to the Fitness Times Business Podcast, the show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Metzel. I am your host, back with another installment of Your Four. I am joined by co-host Caleb. What's up, man? Not much, man. How you doing? Yeah, doing well, man. I am excited for uh, this episode of your four. I had a quick uh, a quick peek over the questions, and I think that, uh, that there's going to be a lot of value. Oh, for sure. In this episode, there's going to be yeah, a lot. Absolutely, guys. If you ha- before we get into it, if you have a question that you would like Caleb and I to take a deep dive into in a future episode of your four, there's two ways you can send those questions across. The first one is to send me a DM personally at Joseph Mansell on Instagram. The same account that you repost and tag and uh, message me all the time on, uh, just send them through there. So at Joseph Metzel. The second way, uh, and probably the more efficient way, because if you send me a your four question, I just take a screenshot and send it straight to Caleb, because uh, he does the uh, the collating and the sorting and he picks the questions. The more efficient way is to send Caleb a DM directly at Caleb dot f i e g e r t. That's the one. Nailed it. Awesome. And uh, and then Caleb will uh, decide which four questions make the cut for future episodes of Your Four. But guys, if you have a question, feel free to send them across because we have a catalog, but we're working through them. Oh, yeah. Caleb? Question one. Let's go. How do you deal with insecurities? How does someone break the habit of always assuming the worst in scenarios? And what advice can you give to help focus on the positives rather than the negatives? Look, I think the first thing here is to understand and have awareness that fear is completely natural, right? We are wired as human beings to always look for threats, right? We're always, because we're trying to survive, right? That's how instinctually we're trying to survive, which means we need to be always looking for worst case scenarios. We need to be looking for things that can go wrong so that from a survival mechanism, we can figure out how to fuck to deal with them. So I think first and foremost is to understand that like there's nothing wrong with that. That's completely normal. That's completely natural. As a matter of fact, there's uh, a stoic uh, philosophy technique, which is called premeditato malorum or premeditatio malorum, depending on how you want to pronounce it, which is to premeditate evils. Right, so to to forecast evils, to think about what can go wrong, in order to allow you to prepare for the worst case scenario. If it eventuates, you're in the spot, you can deal with that shit. If it doesn't eventuate, it's no problem. At least you've given it some thought. Right, so that's the first step. I think then on you know the advice that we can give to help focus on the positives once you've kind of understood and identified the negatives. I do a couple of things, and this is just personal advice. These are things that I do. The first one is with my morning journaling every morning, which is part of my 10-step morning routine. I've done a full episode of this podcast on it. You guys can go check it out if you want. It's in the feed. Um, There's two things I do. The first one is I journal what I call celebrating wins and embracing struggles from the day before. So from the previous 24 hours, I think about what were my wins 
What were the positive things? What was the good shit that happened in the past 24 hours? Let me take some time to give that some conscious thought and celebrate those wins. And then on the flip side, I guess this is the, the negative side of it, is to embrace the struggles. You know, what did I struggle with over the last 24 hours? Let me embrace that as well, because that's all part of this yin and yang experience. The second thing I do from a journaling perspective is I, I maintain a pride journal. So I look back on the, always retrospective, look back on the last 24 hours, what, am, what did I do that I'm proud about? You know, what's something positive that I did that makes me feel really good about myself? Let me give that some conscious thought and let me write that down as well. I think the last piece of advice that I can give in terms of, you know, focusing on the positives rather than the negatives, and this is uh, advice that I have been giving so many times this year <laughs> in particular, is to anchor back into your controllables. The four yeah. things you can control, your actions, your responses, your effort, your attitude, and then whatever else happens is outside of your control, whether it's good, whether it's bad, it doesn't fucking matter. It is what it is. You can always control how you act, how you respond to what happens that's outside of your control, how much effort you exert, and whether you start and embrace each day with a positive, optimistic attitude or whether you go into each day with a negative, pessimistic attitude. Yeah, 100%, man. Look, I'm very passionate about this question. Um, and You're I did very passionate in general, Caleb. All right, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, is, that is true. It's true. Um, and look... I acknowledge myself that when I go back and I look at insecurities in my life, um, I acknowledge that a lot of them came from fear. Um, and a lot of it came from things like fear of failure, fear of people's opinions, even fears of my weaknesses being exposed, not just to the public, but even to myself, because I sometimes think we want to pretend like we don't have weaknesses, but we do. It's the three fears, man, that stop people from doing what they truly want to do. You, ju you just identify them. Fear of yeah. failure, <laughs> fear of other people's opinions, and self-doubt is the third one. So what do I do? Or what, what do we do? We change our perspective, man. We no longer view failure as the end result. But more, it's actually the start of being put on the right path. That's how I like to choose failure. We find success in our failures, not failure in our success. And when it comes to taking people's opinions, man, I take people's opinions with a grain of salt. And that means I'm going against the grain. So whatever the world tries to tell me to do, whatever someone tries to say, you know, when they say, you can't do this, or when someone goes ahead and they're like, they start making fun of me, they start mocking me. And when I'm doing something and they're telling me that's what I shouldn't be doing, I'm like, that's exactly what I should be doing. I'm like, actually, no, now I'm on the right path. And all of a sudden, when I start doing what I'm supposed to be doing, when all of a sudden I go against what the world tells me I should do, then other people's insecurities actually start coming out of the light. I start seeing it. And then that people in those moments when they give those opinions of you, they're trying to draw you back in. They're actually trying to bring you back to a place that they're comfortable with and you yourself are trying to come out of that. And It's, it's, it's often yeah. people projecting their own insecurities on yeah, you 100%. Through, their, through their opinions. That's what I see a lot. So that's why in people's opinions, no mu as, as much as, you know, we want them to matter, we actually have to take them with a grain of salt. Mm. 
However, those bad opinions, I also think pe taking people's compliments sometimes we also have to take as a grain of salt. And that's because, the, that, but that's the perspective shift as well, is. right? Because I believe, you know, we start taking people's opinions with a grain of salt and, you know, and, um, you know, they're giving us negative. They're feeding us with negative, like, comments and so forth. If we, we, we go against that, we can very quickly establish too much of an ego. So it's very important that we don't allow then those people's compliments to build us up and we start walking around with this huge ego as well. And look, with, when it comes to weaknesses, man, we got to stop pretending the weaknesses don't exist. Uh, we have to acknowledge them, embrace them. We got the opportunity to turn those weaknesses into our greatest strengths. And I really want to give an example of that. Um, I wanted to compete. And so I went to a coach and I told him, hey, I want to compete. And he's like, yeah, no problem. Let's organize a session. We organized a session. He got me doing bench press. I started doing bench press. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop right there. He called me out. He pulled me up and he had a look at me and he's like, hmm. That's what I thought. You're retarded. <laughs> he didn't say that. He did. Actually, did he? he swore and everything. He said, dude, your, your posture is so retarded. And at that moment, I had two options. One, to react or to respond. If I was to react, which most people would, they'd be like, well, don't you, blah, blah, blah. How do you think that makes me feel, blah, blah, blah. No, I took that for a moment and said, hold on. He's trying to show me something here. And I said, what do you mean? And then he actually said, well, your posture's out. If you want to get better, you need to fix that in order to get better. And that was a weakness of mine that he exposed. And he didn't expose it in a gracious way. But in that moment, I had the choice to either react or respond. And I could see that this was actually a moment that was going to make me better. It was a moment that was actually going to push me onto what I wanted to do. And look, the last thing I would say is our environment. Our environment is something that when it comes to like insecurities, we, um, we expose ourselves to insecurities daily with the people who we're around, with the, the stuff we consume as well. I look at it with social media, you know, sometimes I had a bit of an insecurity of how I looked. And the problem was, was I was having all these pictures of like bodybuilding models and stuff on my, my social media. That's not gonna help my insecurity. There's actually so much that I could really unpack with it. And finally, getting to the part of focusing on positives rather than the negatives. I wake up every morning, man, I'm just grateful I've got a roof over my head. Clean clothes, clean drinking water. If you want to be able to focus on the positives, have a look at all the amazing stuff that we have. We're blessed, man. It's Gratitude Journaling 101, man. Helps with that perspective shift more than anything else. 100%. Question number two. Question number two. I have been in prep mode for almost 20 weeks the past few weeks. My wife has already really been upset with me and how this prep has affected us. Socially, our family's not eating together, our communication isn't the greatest, and patience is becoming quite a test. What would you recommend to do moving forward if I wish, wish to compete again and stay married? Oh, I have a lot of experience with this. <laughs> a little bit of background. So at the time of recording this, I'm four and a half weeks out from my next show, uh, Men's Physique Pro Show in Melbourne on April 23. Uh, this will be my 26th prep. So the 26th wow. time that I've competed. <laughs> and I know that because somebody asked me that uh, during the week and I had to actually count and I was like, yeah, it's number 26. That's why it's top of mind. Um, look, contest preps expose, right? They are, yeah. they are 
really good at exposing any weaknesses in any relationship that you have, any weaknesses in any character flaws that you may be carrying along with you. They will expose everything. So any existing issues that you have, you know, just to go through the the different elements that were listed here, socially, with communication, with patience, they're going to be exposed during a contest prep because you're 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 throwing fucking kerosene on these weaknesses and lighting a match and going, you know what, let's let's you know, let's light this shit up. But that's not a bad thing. And the reason why that's not a bad thing, Caleb, is because it's a really good way of highlighting what you need to work on, right? It's a really good way of exposing your weaknesses under the pressure of a contest prep and going, you know what? I really need to work on how I am socially. I really need to work on my communication with my significant other. I nearly really need to work on being a more patient human being. And this exposure is actually bringing that to the forefront and highlighting it. So it's something that I can acknowledge and then start to take steps towards actually fixing this right now, but definitely when the contest prep is over. I think the second thing is that when you're in a contest prep, you don't need to go full bro, right? Like the old way of prepping where you fucking eating cold chicken and rice out of Tupperware containers and you can't go to any social events and you need to eat every two hours on the fucking two hours and if you miss it by 10 seconds, your prep is ruined and all of this bullshit, right? We now know that you don't have to prep that way. As a matter of fact, it's a pretty fucking bad idea prepping that way because you're adding more psychological stress to the physical stress that is already inherently part of a contest prep. So you don't need to do that shit. You can make your prep as flexible as you want. Why can't you go to social events? You know, he's, he's listed that, you know, it's, a pre, it's affected us socially. That's on you, right? There's no reason why you can't still go out with friends and family. Perhaps you can't eat the food that everyone's eating. Perhaps you do have to bring your own or order off menu if you go into a restaurant or whatever the fuck situation is, but you don't have to say, no, no, I'm in, I'm in contest prep. I can't leave the house. I need to be a fucking hermit crab for 20 weeks. That's up to you. Why can't you eat with your family? I had a family dinner last night. I'm four and a half weeks out. I brought my own food. I sat down for three hours and had a family dinner. That's on you. Why can't you communicate with your wife? There's probably some bigger underlying issues there. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't, you, you don't just flick the switch on contest prep and go, no, 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 I'm not talking to you for the next 20 weeks. That's a big fucking problem. And then finally, why can't you be more patient? One thing, I'll be completely honest with you. When I'm this close to a show, I do have a much shorter fuse, 100%. But I offset that by having the awareness that, yeah, you know what? My patience is going to be tested, but it's a chance for me to really work on becoming more patient. So that's on you as well. I think... You know, one of the things that I fucking hate and I've seen, you know, I've been around bodybuilding for almost 20 years now uh, as a competitor, as a promoter of the IFBB Pro League, uh, as a spectator. You know, I've, I've had a lot of experience with, with competitors in, in, um, in this sport. And one of the things that I fucking despise is when people blame shit on a contest prep or blame shit on a prep brain you know what, I can't do this because I'm in prep or I, I fucked that up because I got prep brain. No, motherfucker, 
no one is forcing you to do this prep. Yeah, right? True. This is your choice. Mm-hmm. Don't come at me with the, I can't do this and I can't do that because I'm on prep or I fucked this up or I fucked that up because I've got prep brain. It's fucking bullshit. That's all I got to say about that, Caleb. Yeah. Look, I've competed once. <laughs> One versus 26. Yeah, yeah. You know. And, and it's all- but you've been through the experience, right? So you can so you 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 can empathize with a 20-week prep. A lot of people can't unless they've been through it. Oh yeah. 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 No, and, and I did, I did like a 23 20 week prep. I think it went longer because I was yeah. during the COVID period. Yeah. So dates got pushed back mm-hmm. and all of this, but pushed on anyways. Look, my personal conviction for me, and this is reflecting on my journey through prep, because when I was with prep, I was with my ex at the time. Yes. So I I, I really do. I, I feel and I understand this and I come back from a place where I'm completely honest here. You know, I like to view myself who who values honesty and integrity. Mm-hmm. And, and I go back and I look at my prep and I go, man, I was so selfish. I had to be honest. Like, if I was ever going to compete again, I'm going to, I would either compete being now as I am as a single person, or if I was, I'd be getting into, I'd be in a relationship with someone who knows that that's what I'm going to be doing. Mm. I neglected that person through the whole prep, very, you know, and. Part of it was I blamed it on the prep. Like I, I'm guilty of that and I'm here to be open and honest and be like, that was the wrong thing to have done. It's like I'm the one that, that put myself through this prep. No one was doing it. I was the one that did it. So, so I, I have to agree. Like if this person was ever listening, I'm sincerely sorry. Like because, you know, I'm not sure if they would listen, but that's how I feel. It's like I, I was the one who had the choice. We have the choice. I also didn't go socially and that person lost out because of it, but it's on me. 100% man. It's big facts and it takes a lot of courage to admit that. But I think, you know, to give the person who asked this question as much value as we possibly can, it's going to sting a little bit because it's the hard truth. It's the hard facts. If you want to prep, all of this shit that you're fucking using as an excuse because you're on prep, is it's on you. It's on you. Yeah, 100%, man. It comes, you know what, Caleb? It comes back to literally question number one, anchor back into your controllables, your actions, your responses, your effort, your attitude. Specifically when you're in contest prep, right? Your actions have to align with the contest prep. Your responses have to align with the contest prep. You're always in control of your effort and you're always in control of your attitude. So you're going to have to put in more effort when it comes to the social gatherings, when it comes to eating with your family, when it comes to communicating with your significant other, when it comes to exerting more patience, that's on you. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to approach each day, enter each day with a positive, optimistic attitude, regardless of the fact that you're hungry and you're sore and you're tired and all of the shit that comes along with a contest prep, because that's just the nature of the prep, but your attitude is up to you. Next question. Next question. I've recently been advised that I'll be promoted to a manager's position shortly, which will be my first. I'm excited to hit the ground running and support my team as best as I can. What advice would you give to someone like me who has never had a management role previously? And what traits do you think are vital for me to master and continue to refine in order to succeed in the role? 
Well, firstly, congratulations on the <laughs> management role. Let's just acknowledge that. A little round of applause Woo. for whoever asked the question. Congratulations. Um, look, the first thing is it's your first time in a management role. You have to understand that management is not for everybody. And that's completely fine, right? Not everybody is built to be a manager. Not everybody is built to be a leader. And we can't all be managers and all be leaders. It's not how the fucking world works, right? So go into this with the humility to understand and the humility to be aware of, I'm going to give this a red hot go, right? And take the advice we're about to give, obviously, and implement it. And if it works out, fantastic. This is for me. If it doesn't work out and it's just something that's really abrasive to me, that's completely fine as well, right? The first piece of advice is go and read a book called Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. I think I mentioned this in the last Your Four episode or maybe in a few episodes before. Um, Brene Brown, one of my favorite authors, she is a psychologist. She is the world's uh, premier uh, or premium, I don't even know the word I'm looking for. Let's say foremost expert on shame and vulnerability. And her book Dare to Lead is about leading with vulnerability and humility. And I think it's super, super important, especially in today's age where managerial styles have changed significantly over the last definitely 10 years, probably even five years from my personal experience, what I've seen. So that would be the first thing. Go read Deadly by Brene Brown. So far as the most important traits are concerned, this is going to, this is really reflective of my style of management, right? And I've been managing people now oh, over 10 years, uh, probably closer to 15 years, really. Uh, and obviously right now I manage more people than I ever have before. And my skills have developed and my experience has developed over those 10 to 15 years. But in my personal opinion, I think the most important traits are these. The first one is leadership through your own actions, and in particular, leadership through demonstrating grit and discipline. You can't expect your staff to do things that you're not willing to do, straight up. Yeah. And you can't expect your staff to have levels of grit and discipline that you don't show them through your actions. So leader th leadership through actions is number one. The second one is candor. Making sure that you are not pulling punches for the sake of being liked by your staff. This is really important because often in leadership roles, your ego can kind of come into play and you want to be everybody's friend, right? You want to be, you want to be the boss that everybody likes. You want to be the boss that everyone wants to hang out with. You want to, that's your ego talking, right? If you're in a managerial role, you have a duty to the business to manage the people underneath you, first and foremost. Second, secondly, or perhaps even more importantly, you have a duty to the people who you manage to help them get better. And the only way you can do that is to be clear and to be candid. Clear is kind, unclear is unkind. So candor is very, very important. I think just to lead on from candor as well, the third trait is setting and communicating the standard and enforcing it, right? Enforcing it through candor. But before you enforce the standard, you need to make sure your team know what the standard is, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, what are the consequences if I don't meet the standard? and make sure that that's enforced. I think number four for me is courage and 
conviction, leading with courage, leading with conviction, but making sure that your convictions are loosely held where you have the humility to listen to input from your team. So don't go in hard-headed and go, it's my way or the highway. I'm always right. You're always wrong. And there's no exception to that. Lead with courage, have conviction, but make sure that your convictions can be challenged and they're loosely held enough to change when there's sufficient evidence that they should. Number five, and this is actually, this will be the final point because this is number five and six all tied in together. Lead with humility, lead with empathy, lead with kindness, lead with patience, and lead with gratitude. And those are the soft skills, right? The first four are kind of hard skills. This is, these, this is the soft side of it, right? You need to be humble enough to push your ego aside as a manager, as a leader. You need to have enough empathy to understand that everybody who you are leading is a person as well, is a human as well, is going to experience emotions from time to time and you need to be able to empathize with those. You need to have the kindness to be able to empathize with those. You need to have the patience to be able to empathize and you need to have the gratitude to understand that in a managerial position, you are extremely privileged and it's an absolute honor to be able to lead other people and it's an absolute honor to be put in a position where you can help people level up. Uh, look, man, I think you've like pretty much listed off every single thing that I, I, would, I would mention. Like, if there was anything that I guess I could take out from my past experience and, and more of, of stuff that I would say that I shouldn't have done, <laughs> mm -hmm. going into a manager role and being like, oh man, I should have done this, was embracing mistakes is one of them. Because I think, you know, we get to this manager role and sometimes you're like, yeah, man, I've made it. And you think that you're untouchable now or that you're still not gonna make the same mistakes that you did before. No, you are. And now it's actually more on you because you're the boss. Um, being open to constructive criticism as well. You know, you might have done something in, in a particular way that got you into that manager role. And now all of a sudden the way you do it no longer serves the same purpose. But you get so stuck in doing it that you, you don't realize there could be a better way. And then all of a sudden, no, I'm the boss. I know which way to go. But sometimes people actually have a greater insight than what we realize. Obviously, building a relationship with your team, which you've mentioned all, all of the things. Um, leading with courage, leading with vulnerability, having a growth mindset, knowing that people can change and, and not just a growth mindset on yourself, but in your team as well. Being able to identify the difference between someone who might have a fixed mindset and a growth mindset as well and how to deal with that. Grit, humility, integrity, take accountability. You know? did, you copy, did you copy my notes, Kayla? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and, and and what I go when we go back to the first question, yeah. respond. Don't react to scenarios yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. So much of what you've uh, just listed there really ties into humility more than anything. And I think that the biggest if there's one thing to avoid, the biggest mistake that I've seen when I have put people in managerial positions is the lack of humility that comes along with it. And I think. One of the, the best ways to maintain perspective is to keep this in mind. When you are put in 
a managerial position, when you are put in a leadership position, the mindset around that is often that the people you're in charge of work for you. You need to flip that on its head and you need to understand that when you're put into a managerial position, when you're put into a leadership position, when you're put into a position of authority, the people underneath you don't work for you. You work for them. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I even think when it comes to, you know, got these people under you, you're actually trying to help them become better versions of themselves. You have to. You have to. Yeah. Or else your team's going to fail, you're going to fail, and you're going to get fired. So when it says, you know, I'm excited to hit the ground running and support my team, I like to word it even better. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hit the ground and run with my team. 100%. Last question. I feel as though my relationship with my employees has been compromised. It feels like we are too far in the friend zone and their actions are showing this. How do I bring this back and how do I prevent this from happening in the future? Oh, I've been in this position a number of times, Caleb. I've had a, I've had a, a lot of experience with this, let me tell you. Uh, look, the first thing that you need to do is you need to have the vulnerable conversation with your employees. You need to say, look, this is where it's gonna it's gonna be fucking. I've had the conversation. It's uncomfortable. It's gut wrenching. But you need to have it. This needs to be step one. You need to go look. This is where we're at. This is how I feel. This is not working for our relationship on a professional level. It's not working for our relationship on a friendship level. It's causing me a lot of stress professionally. It's often it's going to cause performance to drop as well. You need to have that conversation. You need to have the courage to have that vulnerable conversation because you need to communicate to your employees what's going on because they may not think there's a problem, right? They, they are, more often than not, they don't think there's a problem. Everyone's buddy, buddy. This is fucking great. Working with my mates, fantastic. But as the manager or in this position as the owner of the business, if it's not working, you need to have the courage to have that conversation and say, it's not fucking working. We need to do something about this. I think from there, you need to reset and communicate what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and enforce it. Ties back to the, literally the last question, right? Is, is, is the candor, right? Clear is kind, unclear is unkind. You need to have the candid conversations. This is acceptable. This is not acceptable. From this point moving forward, I'm going to enforce these new standards because you need, you need to peg that back to some kind of fucking foundational level. And then I think it's important to understand as well that if you have the courage to be able to do those two things, have the vulnerable conversation, reset and enforce the standards, what's acceptable, what is not acceptable, you can build a high performance company culture, right? I think sometimes it's easy to fall into the mindset of going, you know what, there's, there's, a, there's a scale here and on one side of the scale, right, we can all be mates and buddy, buddy and, and you know, get along well but the business performance is going to suffer. And on the polar opposite end of the scale, we're going to have to be super professional and nobody can be friends, nobody can be mates, but our performance is going to be very high. Those two things are not polar opposites. You can have both at the same time if you're willing to set the standards, enforce the standards, 
be kindly candid, you can build a high-performance company culture. Yeah, look, I have to agree, man, as well as like it goes back into our actions. Mm. Our actions are going to reflect the level of respect that we demand. Mm. I have to be honest. That's how I, I really see it. So if we need to command more respect, it doesn't come down to also just asking for more respect. It comes down to by actually leading by example. That commands the respect in general. Yeah. Um I've worked in some different work environments to you as well, you know, working a little bit more in the the fashion industry. So mm. I think one thing I noticed is that, you know, everyone was all friends with each other and chummy and the managers and they all get together and on the weekend they go out and they get absolutely wasted, man. <laughs> how, yeah. how are you supposed to, you know, yeah. you're having that, that is way too much of a friendship, you know what I mean? Like if you're the manager and you're going out every weekend with your, with, with your employees and getting wasted, then you're like, well, I want them to respect me. Well, they're not going to. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's that's the standard of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, Caleb. Like yeah, if, if yeah. you're willing to say, you know what, that's acceptable. And I'm not saying this person's doing that, but, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the, there could be someone out there who's listening and going, oh, so I shouldn't be doing that. Well, it's like, well, it's not that you shouldn't be doing it. It's just that's the standard. Like what standard do you want to set? Um, looking at from as well from, you know, boss, employee kind of thing. Yes. I think there needs to be some form of reverence in place as well. Mm. Not like some kind of like awe-inspiring kind of fear, a level of respect. So that needs to really be developed, you know. And not fear as in this person you know, could punish me, but more just a fear of what would I do without this person? You're the boss, man. Like what are we going to do without you? If you were like, oh, man, I'm sick. You guys got to go run the company for two weeks. Whew. <laughs> that that's the kind of level that we we should be creating and that's the standard that we should be setting. Yeah, I think, you know, just to close this off, Caleb, from my personal experience, I'm I'm very proud of the culture that we have now in in Massive Joe's and Team J Apparel in, in this company. I think we have a really, really nice balance of culture and high performance. We've got it, we've got it really just right. It hasn't been just right in the past. It's definitely fallen down this rabbit hole many, many times. And I think, you know, my one regret with that is I thought that I was doing my staff favors by letting things slide, you know, by not pulling them up on things, by letting the standards get eroded, 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 and eventually dying by a thousand cuts um, over time, right? You're not doing your staff any favors by doing that. You're really not. And that's a big regret of mine, you know, looking back. Obviously, you know, when I was younger, I didn't have the experience to know. Now I do have the experience to know. And now I'm very quick to pull people up when I see them sliding because I know that it's my responsibility as the business owner, as the leader, as the manager to help you get better, right? Ties back into the third question once again, right? It's super, super important. I'm not doing you any favors by letting you slide. I'm not doing any favors by setting the standard and then letting that standard be eroded to the point where, you know, we're going out on the weekend and we're getting smashed and there's no fucking respect whatsoever. It's not doing you any favors. So I think it's, you know, it's all experience, but in this particular situation, have the courage to have the vulnerable conversation reset and communicate the standards, what's acceptable and what is not acceptable and strive towards building that high performance culture.
That's it. That's it, man. That's the four questions. Some good ones. Guys, once again, if you have a question, send me a DM at Joseph Mentel. Send Caleb a DM at Caleb.F-I-E-G-E-R-T. And we will pick the four best for the very next episode of Your Four. Guys, the one thing we ask in return, if you have enjoyed listening to this episode, if you've taken some value out, if it's shocked you, if you've been <laughs> entertained, if you've had a laugh, if you've resonated, the one thing we ask in return is that you guys share the show. Take a screenshot right now on your favorite podcasting platform, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, whatever it is. Uh, post that in your Instagram story, tag me in it at Joseph Mansell, tag Caleb in it at Caleb.F-I-E-G-E-R-T. I'm just spelling it yeah. out. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, we love seeing those tags, guys, and we repost as many of them as we possibly can. Caleb, thank you so much. Another great episode. Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Fitness Times Business Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you enjoyed this episode and took some value from it, make sure you share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. And if you haven't yet, be sure to leave us a five-star rating.